Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans are Jet fans, fans, very passionate. Bird, ready, bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined once again by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's up, everybody? Also in the house. You know him. You love him. The Majestic Beast. Nicholas Kronk, everyone. What's up, everybody? How you doing tonight? What's up, Kronk? What's up, Mike? We're back in the house. I want to apologize to everyone. We've not been on the air for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I got married. Took a little while. You know, I drove out. I drove cross country to Nevada. It's kind of where my wife is from. And then we actually drove back across the country after the wedding, too. So the whole the whole wedding and the trip and the honeymoon back took about two or three weeks. You can't fly anywhere outside the country right now to go somewhere fun for the honeymoon. All the places inside the country, not going to go to Florida for obvious reasons with COVID. Hawaii is not accepting people. So trip back was a cross-country trip through kind of the more rural parts of the country. Went to Yellowstone, went all through Wyoming and Montana and South Dakota. So all these parts of the country that don't have a lot of people. Stayed COVID-free, stayed healthy. Everything has changed. I see life completely different now. But guess what? It's exactly the same. And that's the New York Jets. Because today, take my phone out, Mike. I take a look. Le'Veon Bell not happy with his playing time and his scrimmage. You know, we have injuries piling up here and there. It seems like I hit pause for three weeks for the first time in my life with the Jets. Probably paid the least attention I've ever paid over a three-week span. And I come back, and it seems like a lot of the same when it comes to the Jets, Mike. Some good things, some bad things. We're going to get to it all right now. Very happy to be back. Very happy to be talking Jets with my boys here again. Mike, overall tone of training camp so far. We have not been able to really talk about this yet because they just hit camp right around the time that, uh, you know, I left to go on my little trek here. Now I'm back. They have three weeks in the books. Big time topics to talk about, guys. We're going to go through every position group, kind of go through, uh, you know, the status of all the players. There's not too many surprises at this point in camp. One of the main storylines coming out, Mike, is just the injuries that are piling up at the wide receiver position. Before we get into that, let's get into the main topic, the main focal point of all Jet fans, the player that our hopes hinge on this year when it comes to our success on the offensive side of the ball, and that would be one, Sam Darnold. Mike, reports are he's looking sharp. We're going into year three here. I want to know what you think so far with, well, I want to ask you, do you think the lack of wide receivers, the lack of healthy bodies at wide receiver in camp here in the preseason, is that all going to affect him when it comes to the start of the season? Do you think it's kind of a good thing? He could maybe build some rapport. Those guys like Berrios, those guys like Cager, I know he just got hurt, but kind of those second string dudes. Man, if you ever really wanted to make a formula on how to not help a quarterback in his first three years, just follow what the Jets are doing. His first year coming in the league, terrible coach, terrible offensive coordinator, you know, didn't really have the greatest protection. Uh, then the coach gets fired second year, worst offensive line in the league, you know, uh, and now coming into his third year here has absolutely no weapons. You got guys like Jeff Smith 
starting at wide receiver in practice. And, you know, it's it's a failure, really. And it's failure on the Jets. And um, it's not really serving Sam well. But despite that, Sam has been performing in camp. He uh, had his first interception last week to a one um, Bradley McDougal. Uh, and then he threw another interception here in the last uh, camp. So he's been doing pretty good. It hasn't been turning the ball over much. What the, the the report out of camp around Sam is that he's quicker. He uh, he understands the offense, and it looks like that he has command, more command this year than he did last year. That's what a lot of these, a lot of players and a lot of beat writers are saying about Sam Darnold. I think that he's completely bought into the system. Now he's not thinking about what play am I going to run. How is this going to unfold? Now he's looking at the defenses, trying to understand next level decision making. And I think in the end, that's really going to help him out. I know today, you can't judge everybody by one day. Today wasn't the best day for Sam. Was a good day for the Michael Pirine, which we'll get into in a moment when we start breaking down these running backs. What? Nice little 79-yard touchdown run. I don't know if the speed's going to be a question if you're busting out 80-yard touchdown runs. I know it's practice, but it is what it is. got to have some wheels to do that. But, you know, Mike, second half of last year, as all Jet fans know, we kind of beat these stats into people's head. Those last eight games, Sam had 14 touchdowns. He had five interceptions. Threw for about 245, 250 yards a game. Now, that's the final eight games. I mean, his QB rating was tremendous, one of the top ten in the league. But... That projects to 28 touchdowns, about 10 interceptions over a course of a 16-game season. Now, that would be obviously very acceptable for Jet fans if Sam goes out there this year, can be in the 30-touchdown range, can be in a 10 to 15-interception range, get around 4,000 yards, because that would mean the offense is humming. I'm just worried here if... You know, we're going to have any type of setbacks with the wide receivers if it's going to hamper him, hamper his development. We know Herndon is supposedly hitting on all strides here, Mike, which is what you want to hear. But, you know, Mims especially is the guy you want to see him develop that rapport with because if things do hit right, that could be a partnership the Jets have here in the future for a really long time. Now, getting into that time. Topic, Mike, and that would be one Denzel Mims, a guy that here on the show we liked a lot. We're hoping the Jets would be able to snag in the draft. They were able to get him. We know his talents. We know the speed. We know the size. But got to be out there on the field to produce. Has not been able to do that yet. You know, the hammy issue has been nagging him. You want them to be smart with this. You guys remember, you know, Odell Beckham had an, uh, got an injury to start off his career. Came in about three or four games of the year and played great. I'm not saying he's Odell Beckham. I'm just saying, you know, it's no cause for concern at this point. But you would really like to see him in there, Mike, with Sam every day, just developing developing whatever chemistry they need to develop and just, you know, getting that timing down, being out there with his teammates. I know he's doing things on the side, but that's kind of one of the things that's followed the Jets through camp here, too, is the fact that Denzel Mims, hopefully our big time X receiver out there of the future, has not been able to really get those reps with Sam. Yeah, you mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. At least he was awarded OTAs. You know, he had some time. There wasn't the situation with COVID. True, and true. and 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 Denzel really missing all of these practices is such a detriment to his growth with Sam and actually acclimating to the NFL. And if he continues to miss days every day that he misses is less and less opportunity for him to get incorporated into the offense. And I honestly think Chris Hogan is going to 
be the starting opposite receiver out from uh, Perriman to start off the season. I can't expect a rookie to just step in there after only two weeks of, of, of playing. You know, he'll get in there, play a couple plays, you know, and I think as the season progresses on, he'll start showing his talents more and get more acclimated. So it is a really tough break for De young Denzel. But these are the things that happens. Thank goodness it's not really a situation where he'll be out for the season or out for six weeks, kind of like the situation with Jalen Hurd over there in San Francisco, who's now out for a second consecutive season. You know, so thank goodness he looks like he's going to be getting back on the practice field. He was running with Desir today. So hopefully we'll see him back on Saturday, yeah. just like we're going to see with Perriman. And Perriman, by the way, has been doing just a fabulous job at uh, wide receiver, has developed really strong rapport with Sam from what we heard, like you talked about earlier, earlier in camp, caught a 79-yard bomb from Sam. And by the way, didn't even mention this. Have you checked out Sam's beard? He's growing that beard out. I need a strong beard from Sam because he does still have <laughs> he does he does still have that childlike face, which doesn't mean you can't succeed, but it always makes me just feel old myself. So I'll grow that beard in Sam just for my own for my own insecurities. What do but, you think, Wook? What do you think, Wookie? You like the you like the bearded bearded Sam? Quarterbacks with the beards, I think it's it's, it's becoming a thing. You know, Fitzpatrick went crazy with it. I can see Sam doing it. Get a little maturity underneath the chin there. Yeah, he's in year three now, so he's a grizzled old vet now. So you might as well yeah. just grow, grow that beard in, Sam. Grow that winter New York beard in. I like it. Like, just keep it, just keep it, just keep it trim. Keep it nice. You know, we got all types of really dope barbershops around New York. I don't want to see him coming to coming to MetLife Stadium with a neck beard like one of the Hill people. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Sam, keep it on point. All right, and sticking with those wide receivers, we know Crowder last year, 78 catches, Mike, most of his career. Crowder's going to be productive in the slot. We know what he does. But the thing with Crowder, he's 5'9", he's a buck 80. So in the slot, he can operate. I think he's very productive, great hands. Obviously, Sam likes to throw to him. But we need someone out there at the X. We need a big-time player out there. And maybe it'll be Perriman. Uh, you know, the end of last season... I mean, Perryman's stats at the end of last year were really impressive, guys. I mean, he had fi about 500 yards the last, you know, basically the last five games of the year and five touchdowns. So I know that's what Tampa Bay, they throw the ball out, but Evans wasn't playing. So he filled in kind of in that. I'm not saying he was their number one option because Godwin, Godwin's a tremendous wide receiver. I'm just saying he was kind of getting the looks that Mike Evans was getting and he put up the same numbers that Mike Evans would put up. So, yeah. I mean, that's impressive. And if that carries over to this year, you have, we have no idea, obviously. Jet fans would love if that was true and if he stays healthy. Uh, but that's a big question mark, too. But Perryman's th – that's one of the reasons why, Mike, with guys being banged up and, you know, us kind of uh, guys getting – guys like Berrios, guys like Cager getting these extra reps. And to a degree, they've been doing pretty good, which is practice, which doesn't mean that much. Cager's looked pretty good, especially in the red zone. Now, I know he hurt his knee. It, just what we yeah. need. Even, even Cager, even backup guys that are undrafted free agents – that we're hoping might make the team as the fifth receiver are getting hurt. So that's remember, what we're doing. But re remember how these camp darlings start. Uh, back in the day, Clowney. Remember that cat, Clowney? Oh, he yeah. do his thing in the preseason and then looking really good. We got to be careful with these young kids at camp. Cager, I understand the size and everybody loves him. But, yo, when he came into camp, his hands of stone, son. You, you, were, you were on your honeymoon, son, in the first couple of first couple of weeks of camp uh days of camp couldn't catch anything just hands of stone now lately last three three days he's looked good 
But just because a receiver looks good doesn't mean that that receiver should make the team. Okay, but people are amped because he's a big, huge human, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, the thing is with Cager, he's an undrafted free agent. I, I don't think you or anyone else in the world expected him to come in here and play like a pro bowler, Mike. Um, right. But the, thing, the, the coach, the general manager, and everyone else on the team has been speaking about him for a month. There has to be a reason. It's not because he's a bad player. So whether he makes the team or not, that, that remains to be seen. He's injured now, so we know how that's going to work out. If he's actually injured, he's just going to get cut, uh, unfortunately mm. for him, and maybe have a shot next year. I'm just worried at the depth at wide receiver. We were worried about it coming into the year, but yeah. if there's any problems with Perryman or if Mims can't take the field, I'm worried who are even who are even going to be thrown out there. They, just, they brought Kevin White back. You know, uh, I don't know where they found him. Pulled him out of a Walmart managerial class. They got him fat man's under fat man's couch. Yeah, that's that's where it was. That's I that's, well, so that's interesting. So we'll see how that works out. But another another topic here in camp as we're going through, guys, has been. One Quinnen Williams, who came into camp, Mike, now last year, by his own admission, was not in the type of shape he wanted to be in. This year, apparently, according to Q, according to people that know, different guy. He got his body right, got his diet right, got the body fat percentage down. Last year, only 28 tackles, two sacks. If you hear Quinnen Williams talk about himself and what he expects out of himself this year, he's expecting big-time production. He's expecting to be a force. He's expecting to play like somebody who was the number three pick in the draft, Mike. So far in camp, it's not like you hear Quinton Williams is dominating the practice field, but you know at least he's in better shape. You know the defensive line. You know the defensive coach, Greg Williams, loves him. What do you expect this year, 2020? I expect a major leap from Q this year. Um, I don't think we're going to see it. I don't know, man. I just have a feeling that he's going to be good, but not great. He's going to be... Maybe it's Leo Williams rubbed off on me. I mean, he does. He's a much bigger, has that swagger, has come to camp, has looked good in practice. Um, but my expectations are like Aaron Donald level. Like that's the yeah. cat that you, not you specifically, but, you know, what the narrative was about him coming into the draft. That this guy was a generational player and that. So I need to see it. Okay, and my expectations are that he is going to be a Pro Bowl player this year. He was the third pick in the draft. Jamal Adams made the Pro Bowl after his second year. I want to see him in the Pro Bowl. That is my expectations for him. Just like I have high expectations for Sam. Sam, I want 30 touchdowns, 4,000 yards. That That's my bar, okay? And you could say, people could say whatever they want to say. That's my personal bar for these players. And if Q or, or Sam do not reach that, for whatever reason, you know, there needs to be other conversations about them, period. That's fair. And w one guy that at least from early reports, Mike, is living up to the hype oh. is, is Mount oh. Becton. Mount Becton, man. <laughs> he's been manhandling human beings, apparently, in practice. I've been, well, now I'm, I'm sitting there in Yellowstone, camping out. <laughs> In the middle of the woods, uh, I'm making uh, myself bacon, egg, and cheese. Megan trying to go tackle by a bear, and I get a text from Mike. It's just a picture of, of Becton just manhandling. I believe it was Neville Hewitt and just throwing him to the ground like he's playing with one of his nephews. Um, <laughs> we knew he was enormous, and everybody knew that. You knew he had the physical tools. But I think what's surprising people, and I don't think anything, anyone thought he was lacking in anything when it came to the mental acumen for the game, but when you hear them speak about him, it's they're teaching him technique, teaching him his mistakes, showing him what he's doing wrong, and he's adjusting right away. That that type of uh, intangible with a player, you know, be, the ability not only to 
adjust on the fly, but also to just take coaching. Those are the guys that become great. Not only do they have the, the talent and the drive, but they want to get better. And it seems like that's what we have in somebody like Becton, who's going out there and just tossing people around, also adjusting well. Seems like somebody that's been doing it for a while, according to Adam Gaze. That's really what you want to hear, Mike. So far in camp, Becton's been killing it. Mike, what do you think? Oh, this is the one thing that has me so excited. I mean, the Gase doesn't come out and speak glowingly about players like that. And he came out right out from camp and just saying that this game isn't too big for this guy. That he already was moving and, and looking like an NFL player. That his physical ability and mental ability were on par or better than what was expected where he would be at the time. Becton has been unbelievable. He this just this last week at practice, Becton and Alex Lewis have been op- careening holes open for Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell had like a 10-yard scamper and, and an 8-yard scamper, and he's just been giving it to the defensive line. And like you said, he's been asking questions, battling with Jordan Jenkins. By the way, we've got to have a discussion about Jordan Jenkins. He's a man possessed right now. Uh, But he's been battling with Jordan Jenkins and asking Jenkins, hey, what can I do better? How can I learn? And um, it's just, and the thing about him is that his size, I mean, all the players are just like, dude, this guy's just huge, man. Like, Le'Veon runs by him, kicks up some dirt. That dirt goes into orbit around this man. He literally bends space time. <laughs> it's unbelievable. That's the unbelievable. only issue that the only issue Sam might have during the day games, I guess even the night games too, is that he'll he'll cast half an eclipse over that side of the field. <laughs> so if you have any routes going to the left, it's just darkness. And, 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 so that's, the only, that's the only problem Sam might have. Now let me ask you a question, Wookie. Uh, Andrew Thomas, the Giants selected. I know you weren't the most excited about that. Oh. You wanted Ma- he wanted Mount Becton, and I'm not saying anything bad about Thomas. He's only had three weeks of practice. You don't hear a single report about him throwing people around like man. I have, I have. He's been getting, he's been getting thrown around. Oh no, what, Mike? Yes. Don't yes. do that to Wookie. I'm no, I'm just saying the yes. Are you just, are you trolling right now? I'm not. I'm being. I, Wookie knows. Wookie. I was out on this podcast saying I wanted Becton. And again, nothing wrong with with with, with you know what we got right now. He mm-hmm. is getting tossed around, um, but it would be nice to just have a giant, um, gigantic human being that wants to get better at punishing other gigantic human beings. But the biggest of the gigantic human beings on the field at that time, yeah, at one of my and tackles. What you want is not just the biggest guy; you want the big guy to be nasty. And that's what apparently Becton is. That's what you want to see out of an offensive lineman is, you know, especially, you know, you grow up and and sometimes those giants, they don't want to manhandle others. You know, they feel bad. I'm going to kill this guy. Becton's like, no, I'm going to throw this man across the field. And that's what you want. Yeah, Yeah, of course. No no doubt. No, I I was just saying uh, I got to give Wookiee credit and Schechter because when the Giants drafted Thomas, that's the guy I wanted. You know, that's the guy I wanted. I was like, I want Thomas because I thought he was the most safest play at left tackle. And Nick was like, no, I wanted Becton. After, I'm like, really, dude? You really? And Schechter, same thing, said, I'd rather have Becton. And, and, you know, again, their careers aren't put out there. We don't know exactly what they're going to be. But if Wookiee, 
you may have ended up being correct. I got I got to give you hats off for that. Yeah, and we'll see how, we'll see how the uh, the dust settles on that Wookie. But I, I do think Thomas is going to end up being a good player. That guy's sharp as attack. He does have, you know, he didn't blow you away with the physical tools like a guy like Becton, but who will? There's not a lot of right. there's not a lot of Makai Becton. How many offensive linemen in the NFL right now are as big as him? Maybe you can count on your hand, right? And then a lot of them are backups. So, mm-hmm. all right, Mike, and you just mentioned his name, Jordan Jenkins. Someone we weren't sure if he would be back. He is back every single year. Gets a lot of pressures. Gets about seven or eight sacks. Pretty much our sack leader every single year. Coming off the edge there, Jordan Jenkins. Someone me and you always like. Good value player. So far in camp, has been playing like a maniac. He's been just nuts. Getting he, on Sunday, did you hear about the fighting that was happening at camp? He got into it with Alex Lewis, throwing haymakers at Alex Lewis, and hey, Alex Lewis fighting back. And then they kind of cooled down. And then Greg Van Roten got involved, and then Jordan Jenkins went ran after him. I mean, he's been just in just insane, and he's had really good camps. All he's just been dialed in, man. And I don't know. I have you know how you said I don't know about. Quinn and Williams, we'll see. I have a funny feeling that Jordan Jane is going to have the best year of his career this year. He really is dialed up. And his best, one of his best friends so far has been Makai Becton. And he's been taking Makai Becton aside and just spending time with him and teaching him, hey, this is the type of moves that I use. You know, you're going to see this later on this season. This is what you do to stop it. And just kind of coaching Becton there and, and, and just being a good leader, good mentor for him. But really has had an extremely impressive camp and a really good attitude. All these guys on defense really respect uh, uh, Greg Williams. Him and I'll tell you, and the second, oh, and that was the other main topic. The best player so far in camp is Marcus May, by the way. Marcus May, I just so everybody knows, he's not playing that deep safety position anymore. He's playing the Jamal Adams position, and apparently he is absolutely tearing it up. Tearing it up. Now, are we saying Marcus May is going to be Jamal Adams? No, but he doesn't have to be. If if, if Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league and Marcus May is just 80% of that, and we know he's very talented, then Marcus May is going to be tremendous. He's been a terror, been playing much closer to the off to, to the, the line of scrimmage. And I think when you have him, Ashton Davis had a pick today. Ashton Davis has been playing great. McDougal got burned one time by Perryman, but he's been playing good. So that's a unit that might be overall even better than last year, or at least on paper, talent-wise, depth-wise, better than last year, as opposed to just having Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Now we got three guys you can interchange back there. You know how you pay a lot of money for a high-end car, like a Lexus or a BMW, Uh Mercedes? You pay that extra, right? That's like what Jamal Adams is. He's that star you're going to have to put in top dollar. May... May not be a superstar like that, but he's good. Like you, like an Acura. An Acura is a great car, but I'm not spending eighty, ninety thousand dollars on an Acura, right? I'm spending like fifty, forty-five, yeah. right? Yep. And I'm still got a quality car, and that's the type of guy we can go ahead and extend May for a good, not a team-friendly, but a decent contract, and still get, like you said, eighty to eighty-five percent of the value on the field. And he is transitioned to that strong safety, supposedly, from what I'm hearing, extremely well. And McDougal's been playing the, the the free safety. And he has been the best player in camp. That's what we've been hearing. 
and he's been having a great attitude helping with the secondary by the way the only other cornerback there's only one cornerback that's starting now and that's bless on austin the one the man who actually i'm sorry picked off sam for his first interception was bless on austin and every other cornerback is being like uh you know getting chances to start with him so desir is hurt so it looks like it's going to be desir and austin so uh may has been helping out there in in the secondary as well so really good really good stories coming out of camp yeah and the last thing i want to touch on before we dive into these position groups and get to the more of the finer tidbits for everyone and then we get out of here is chris herndon mike now, unless you're a Jets fan, you might not know too much about it, or unless you're somebody that goes into those deep dive fantasy sleepers at tight end, uh, which Chris Herndon is all over a lot of different uh, write-ups when it comes to fantasy football right now as a sleeper at tight end, because as a rookie, 500 yards, four touchdowns, had some games where he was kind of invisible, also had some games where he was a big-time target for Sam. Last year, I think we were re- really counting on him to kind of be a big X factor on the offense, Mike. We were like, all right, we're going to have Robbie, we're going to have Crowder, we're going to have Bell now, and then we're going to have this tight end weapon, which since Keller we haven't really had. Instead, we know how it went. He was suspended for four games, came back, got injured, could never get right last year. He's back this year. He's 100%. He's a weapon because of the missed year last year. I don't think he's on many people's radar, like I said, unless you're a gang green fan. But that's a guy that I'm hearing great things about in the preseason. And I really do think this is someone you can look at, maybe be a 600, 700-yard tight end, be a factor in the red zone, along with Griffin, who was just a machine in the red zone last year. I think our tight end position is pretty solid. Really solid, man. And that's going to be the, you know, as as lacking as our wide receiver group is, this is where I rest my um, expectations on Adam Gase because you know your wide receiving core is weak. But you have a strong tight end core and you got a good uh, running back who can catch the ball. It's up to you to engineer plays and use the talent that's been given to you. And there is talent at that tight end group, to your point. Uh, Griffin and Herndon. Herndon has been looking just he's been, besides Crowder, the best pass catcher in practice. And Sam and him just have a unique together. And I really do think. And Herman is going to have a tremendous season this season if he can if he can stay healthy. Um, I'm using double tight end sets. I'm using, you know, Bell out of the slot. And I understand I may not have a number one stretch receiver. Well, you can use your tight ends to still destroy, you know, some of these secondaries. And Herndon... And a guy, a guy like Herndon is dangerous because it's hard for defenses to lock in on a guy like that because they don't like want to overcommit. It's not like he can't block either. He's adequate. You know, he's, right. not like he's just completely useless at blocking. Like sometimes right. come, some of these guys that have come in the last few years, like a Gazeki from Miami, who should be and he probably still will be a really good receiving tight end, can't block though. So he didn't get it. He didn't get the reps that you want. So yep. I think Herndon, he's not going to be a liability when it comes to that position. I've been gone for three weeks. We've not been able to do a show. We had a lot to touch on real quick. A half hour hitting the big topics. There's so much more to get to, Mike. So let's get into these position groups. Okay, everybody, we talked about Sam. We talk about Sam every week. We know everything going on in Sam's life. However... One thing that affected us last year wasn't our first string quarterback. It was not having an adequate 
second string quarterback, which I'm not saying there's a lot of them in the league, Mike, but my point that I'm getting to here a very long-winded way is that Joe Flacco has not been playing. And if something did happen to Sam, God forbid, Sam got COVID and misses a week, two weeks. Sam, you know, has a hammy for two weeks. Uh, you want to have someone you could at least hand the reins to that's competent. It seemed like we had that with Joe Flacco. Now that Joe Flacco hasn't practiced, kind of puts us in a little bit of a different position. I know Morgan has looked okay. But what do you think, Mike? Do you think if Flacco is going to have a lingering injury, you just have to drop him and find another vet to sit behind Sam this year? Not if James Moore, Captain Morgan has more practices like he did today and the day before. He uh, led the second team offense against the starting defense and threw a touchdown pass. I get it is one drive, but, uh, you know, Mr. Captain Morgan keeps spinning it, you know. But honestly, I think that being real, we're going to need a guy like Joe Flacco to be healthy. And he should be on track to be healthy early September. I don't mind having either David Fales or or Morgan as the backup for one or two games early, as long as we get Flacco back for the most of the season. But um, I would uh, if I would keep your eye on Morgan because so far the scouting report against him is uh, he's looking good and he has confidence in the huddle. And I think as long as Sam stays healthy, obviously we should be okay. If he does get banged up. If he does get banged up, you hope that you don't have to go to Morgan and Flacco would be there just because of the veteran experience. But there has to be a reason they grabbed him. We'll keep our eyes on that as the season moves forward here. Now, getting to the running back position, we spoke about Le'Veon Bell briefly. We haven't really got into it. I know he wasn't very happy with his playing time in the scrimmage. But I think it's a scrimmage. You kind of want the guy to stay healthy. I don't think there's too much to read into that. Lev, Lev is a very, very competitive guy. Him and Adam Gase's relationship has been very interesting. It seems like Adam Gase's relationship with all players is very interesting because you never know what you're going to get. But but last year, Le'Veon Bell, lowest yards per carry in Jet history, Mike, at 3.2. Now, that's a byproduct of our horrific offensive line. He should be better this year. But he had the 11th most carries last year, 23rd in yards. So that's not great, but he was a big-time factor in the passing game. What he'll have to contend with this season is a little bit of competition, at least when it comes to reps, from Frank Gore, the ageless yeah, one. The, the ageless fam- one. The vampire of the, of the NFL just will not go away. He just you, does not age, looks the same, still grinds. Uh, and Frank Gore is somebody that Gase every week is saying something else positive about. So he does look like, to me, someone that's going to actually cut in to Lev's touches here. Yeah, definitely expect it. And here's the thing. A guy like Gore, Gore's 37 years old, you know, they were looking at him during uh, warm-ups, and he's just out on the sidelines by himself doing wind sprints. Son, 37. That's like uh, two years younger than us, okay? On the side, just doing like wind sprints by himself, like running all the way downfield, running all the way back. Breathe. Run all the way back downfield, run all the way back. That's why he's 37 and still in phenomenal shape, because he's just a freak of nature. And the other thing about uh Gore is Gore is not the type to skit scat left right. He goes A to B, north yeah. to south. He yeah. that's how he is. He just drive right, and that's what Adam Gase likes. He likes a guy who's just gonna go from point A to point B yes. and don't move around. That that just that's what Gase likes in his offenses. So yes, expect to see it. And and Le'Veon was not happy with it. He said today. You know, that his hamstrings were okay. Um, And I fully expect Gore to come in and take more load from Bell than any of us would like. And if Gore becomes effective, you know, 
it's not out of the realm of possibilities he becomes a lead back. And you Just know what's saying. funny, Mike, is last year when, as the season was progressing, and you kept watching every game, and you, obviously the offensive line struggled. And when you have a, a running back like Le'Veon Bell, somebody that tends to be very patient, waits for holes to open up, he bounces left, he bounces right, very elusive. If those holes aren't there, which they weren't last year, he's not going to be very productive. So that kind of makes sense, right? But what happened last year, Mike, was when they put in Bilal Powell— who Bilal Powell would get the ball and just hit the hole 100 miles an hour, where there's a hole there or not. Where it's supposed to be, he would just go there. And midway through the year, you had Jet fans, friends of ours, saying, Bilal Powell looks like a better running back than Le'Veon Bell. Look at him, I look know. what he's doing. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's not really the case. It's more just a byproduct of the fact that the offensive line is so bad, a guy like Powell that's just going to hit the line and see what happens is going to probably produce a yard or two more than a guy like Bell that's used to being able to be patient. He might... Get a one-yard run, Bell, or a two-yard run, then he might break out an 11-yard run. Right. How good he is, you know? Um, so that's why a guy like Gore, like you just said, led into your point, who's a different type of runner than Bell, um, it's probably someone that may be in short-yarded situations, even though the guy is 37 years old. You might see him get the ball. And, you know, mm-hmm. P. Ryan, P. Ryan, another guy, P. Ryan has some size on him, too. Someone they said maybe doesn't have the, the fastest feet. Well, he proved today, an 80-yard touchdown run today. And early, yeah. in camp, early in camp, he was looking good. So that's another guy that could be cut into some touches for Levy. It might only get the ball four or five times a game. But if he produces, Gase seems like somebody that whoever is the hot hand, that's probably who he's going to go with. And he's not going to really be concerned about the contract. And that, that, that might not be what Levy on now wants to hear. But that might be the reality of our running back situation this year, you know? Yeah, no, it, it might be. And look, Le'Veon Bell, good for him. He's He looks like he's chiseled out of stone, man. His body. Oh, he looks great. Looks yeah, great. it looks phenomenal. It looks phenomenal. So good for him. And, you know, it's up to Gase to use the talent on his team and get the most out of it. And I wasn't impressed with Gase last year. And I'm going to look and watch this year. And my expectation is we're going to see a lot of the same. Um, it's just going to be up to Sam to really execute that. Uh, my, my hopes are in Sam really executing, yeah. even though Gase isn't going to really do much as far as utilizing talent where he could where he could you know yeah and you think about this mike just to put it in perspective for for gangrene fans with jets were seven and nine last year they won seven football games in the national football league with the worst offense in the league with the worst passing team in the league we still won seven games so if they could just manage to be average on offense if the defense is any we're in the realm of last year. They could be a team that can do some damage and surprise some people. Now, getting into this wide receiver group, we, we broke this down pretty well already, Mike. So we don't got to beat the dead horse here. We spoke about Mims. We spoke about Perryman. We spoke about Crowder. Cager, we know, is banged up. And one thing that stinks, too, Mike, is that unlike previous seasons or regular seasons, and I want to ask you about this, too, Will, because this affects all teams, is unlike most years when teams are playing preseason games, so you're getting tape on other teams' guys, you know, it's not like the Jets have people at the Rams' practice. You know, where they could see who their fourth or fifth wide receiver is. And maybe, even though that guy doesn't make the ramps, he could help your team. Because, you know, last year we added uh, Demarius Thomas towards the end of end of the, you know, training camps. And he actually ended up being decently productive considering for the team last year. So, this year, that seems like a guy like that would be perfect. It's what we need. We need a Demarius Thomas type at this point. But because of the way the preseason is going to play out with COVID, we're not seeing games. You're not really getting the reports at other camps. Teams are literally like the Packers, not allowing beat reporters to even report on depth chart 
or different things that that teams could use for information. It just seems like it's such a bizarre year this year with COVID that those late end of the uh, training camp additions you normally see, we might not see that this year. This season, obviously, everybody's going to have to juggle um, what their season's going to look like. Nobody knows what's going to happen with COVID. Somebody's getting it. Somebody's not getting it. And you're right. You know, strategically, that affects teams as well because you can't get film or maybe it's going to take time for a team they're going to wait for, you know you're, they're going to cut a guy before they give you any kind of footage or anything like that so it's going to be it's going to be chaotic but i yeah, guess cliche to say the, the teams that handle this the best will probably have a better chance of, of going further this season yeah that makes yep. sense look yeah the teams that can kind of like figure out whatever the new normal is with this covid situation will probably be the team that do the best that makes sense that makes sense dude and when we're getting into uh as we cruise through the offensive positions here now tight end we spoke about too mike we got chris herndon we know what we think about him we're hoping for big things from him this year back behind chris herndon though is one ryan griffin five touchdowns last year most of his career inside the red zone last year he really was pretty effective he was able to make his mark last year with the jets before he got injured so i think a tight end we're pretty good mike yeah don't forget wesco he's been showing up in camp last couple finally, of games finally yeah. now, mike, Mike has not been the biggest fan of Travis Wesco so far. Um, when he, when we drafted him, we kind of were like, did we really just draft a, t- a blocking tight end in the fourth round of the NFL draft? It was just, it's dumbfounding. It's like, guys, it's like anybody who plays fantasy football, you're going through, you get to the seventh or eighth round, your boy drafts a kicker. And you yeah. all, and you, you're texting your friends, like, did he just really do that? What what are we doing? Now, Wesco's trying to finally emerge here, but at least blocking-wise last year, he was decently effective because we didn't really have a fullback. Tight end position, I think we're pretty much squared away. Now, the offensive line, we spoke about Becton, but the rest of the group, Lewis, McGovern, Van Rotten, and then we got the right tackle position. Really, the only race you have for a position, Mike, probably is between Adoga and Font. You know, Font, they signed for a big-time contract. Adoga, they drafted last year. So, I guess both guys might have a claim to, to the spot there. And both guys also do have flexibility, Mike, where either yeah. of them could also play other positions on the offensive line. Because I know Van Rotten, might, you know, came up with an injury recently. So, I think we put ourselves... And we've said this a million times already, but we put ourselves in a position with the offensive line with guys like Font and Adoga. And Doga might be he might be undersized for a tackle, which we've said often, probably more suited to play guard, Mike. But we're in a position when, with the guys that we signed. We actually have some flexibility if Ben Rodden gets hurt. I'm not saying they're going to be great. It's to be seen how they play. I know early in camp, the offensive line wasn't playing great together. One guy was, uh, you know, Makai Becton, but he's a first-round pick. But I'm really looking for this unit to be solid this year. That left side with Lewis and Becton, I'm looking for that to be the strong side right there of our offensive line. Yeah, well, you're right because in camp that has been the stronger side, and any really good running, uh, run blocking game has been from the left side with Lewis and uh, with uh, Becton, to your point, and also Connor McGovern. The right side has been disappointing, Keith. It's been disappointing. Fant has not really been the greatest. Uh, Van Roten, they they're doing okay, but. They should be doing better. And the biggest disappointment with the offensive line is that Adoga hasn't done anything. He hasn't been bad or good. And yeah, Mike, and it basically was like his position to lose. Yeah. As, exactly. as far as I look at him, I know Finn had a big contract, and maybe that was before they realized they'd get Beck and all these other guys. Or I should not a big-time contract. They could cut him next year, but on paper at least. But I kind of felt like they were leaning towards Adoga when this all started. And now I'm seeing, not that fans running away with it, because he's not playing that great either, but it seems like he has a little bit of an edge at this point, at least. Yeah, 
That's it. And I would expecting. And the thing is with Adoga, I, I don't know. We, when we even drafted him. I was like, I'm not really sure about this dude. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he wasn't a Vladimir Dukas or anything like that. But you know, he's uh, <laughs> he's he's yeah, he's got. I don't know. I I, I think he's gonna be with us for a little while and then he won't be he, he's not impressing at all and it's un, unfortunate so we're gonna have to get some more beef on that offensive line uh as the years go forward so yeah and we'll keep an eye on van robin with his oblique and moving forward see what happens with that now flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball here mike the cornerback situation with the jess as you mentioned earlier blesson austin our boy from new jersey last year from week 10 to week 13 had an 84.8 rating in pro football focus that was bet that was the second highest in the league over that span so we know over a small stretch he didn't just play well he played oh, no. dominant okay dominant so, now that's a small stretch i get it but guess what that was the first games of his career basically so if that's how good you're gonna play when you really are you know a neophyte in nfl terms and you're coming off injury and haven't played yet that's as impressive as it gets. So I'm really high on Austin this year. If he stays healthy for the whole season, Mike, and can just play at, you know, 90%, 85% of that level throughout the year, going to be a big-time corner for us. Now we know Desir has the hammy, but he's looking to at least be him and Bless to be our starters. Hopefully that will be our one and two. Because Desir's another guy that, when you look at his career, he's had a fight through a lot. He was drafted in the fourth round, but he's been on a bunch of different teams, kind of made his comeback with the Colts there had a big contract and they let him go after a disappointing year last year so i think he's out to prove something this year but after those two we know we're going to start we got bryce hall we got mullet we got we got pool in there too so you know i'm looking hall i'm not saying he's he's flashing that much but i like his credentials coming out of college you got him in the fifth round that was a steal for us mullet last year probably played a lot better than people realize pool's pretty good we might not have the big time names when it comes to that position mike but i do think that they're adequate enough combined with our linebackers and our defensive line to be pretty good this year. Yeah. I always look for guys that flash early. I, I don't know. It just gives me a good feeling. Like Becton, right away, you heard right first practice, second practice. Wow, this guy looks good. This guy has this. This guy has that. Remember Blake Cashman? You just right off the bat. Oh, he yeah, right speed. away. He can grab. He's doing this, you know. Yeah, some come, sometimes guys take a little while really to develop, but Remember, I know you don't like this guy, but I'm just going to say, remember Keyshawn Johnson? Oh, Yo, yeah. it, was it was immediate. Immediate. Immediate, immediate value. He like, was good right away. Right away. Right away was good, okay? So I just look at these guys, and bless on Austin, the moment he was healthy, he's been doing his thing, man. Yeah. He's been doing his thing, man. Yeah. And I like, I like that. So, you know, that's what we're seeing. And the other guy that's doing his thing, Ashton Davis. <laughs> oh, yeah thing right now keith at safety picked off sam today by the way picked him yeah on a third yep so that's the type of guy and, and and greg williams has been gushing about ashton davis because of his, all the versatility i think see what i think he's gonna do is i think he's gonna play i think he's gonna play uh may in the box safety a strong strong safety right and have um douglas McDougal play the uh, free and instead of he's going to play a three safety set. And remember how we said that uh, May and Ashton Davis would be the two and then Jamal Adams would be the cat that would be going in blitzing. He's going to have yep. Ashton Davis doing that. Watch. 
I'm t- because of his athletic. He sees him as a tool. See, Greg Williams, he understands his defensive schemes and he sees guys' skills and he's like, oh, I this cat could do this. You know, so yeah. he's ta- the way he's talking about Ashton Davis right now, you know he's got plans for him. I got to throw this at Jet fans too. Just file this one away because Ashton Davis didn't run at the NFL Combine his 40 time. But on USA Today, when we were doing, uh, when we were doing our research for the draft they said that his fastest 40 time he's ran you know he ran track and field mike he was packed 10 almost an all-american in track and field his fastest 40 time was a 4.28 okay he's 4.39 as his low time so talking about a guy that's a sub 4-4 40 time does 40 times mean everything no but if you're sharp as a tack like him and you have the the instincts that he does and you're that fast i'm just gonna say this jamal adams didn't run a 4-3 mike you know, and I'm not saying this kid's going to be Jamal Adams, but I think a big-time reason the Jets moved on from Jamal Adams is there's two reasons. One's Marcus May, the other's Ashton Davis. Yeah. And they said to themselves, look, man, this kid's going to be a stud. We have Marcus May. We're going to get back a starting quality level safety in the NFL in McDougal, and we're going to stack first-round picks. So all yeah. of that, and all of that, when you think about it, it doesn't seem like a very Jetsy thing because it seems too shrewd to be the Jets. But we did make it happen. I'm very excited about him. And that that position group, Ashton Davis, McDougal, and May, combined with the guys we just mentioned uh, in the cornerback group, I think that puts our secondary in a pretty good spot. And when you look at the Jets last year, guys, when it came to overall defense, the Jets were seven in total yards last year. I mean, most people don't think of the Jets as a top 10 defense because after C.J. Mosley went down last year, Jamal Adams is the only player anybody outside of New York could even name on the team who plays defense. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knows Jordan... Jake. I mean, maybe Quentin Williams because he got drafted third, but people don't know Marcus May. People don't know Avery Williamson. People don't know Hewitt, though. They don't know Fatu Kasi. They don't know a lot of these guys like Henry Anderson. We can get right into Let's get into the defensive line, Mike. When you add these guys up, you have a guy like Hugh. Um, I know he under he was underwhelming last year, but on the whole, the unit as a whole, Quinnen, McClendon, Fatu Kasi, Phillips, Anderson, we drafted Zuniga. Last year, number two against the run in the NFL. Now, you could say Jamal Adams had a lot to do with that. And he might have. It wasn't like Jamal Adams had 130 tackles last year. Jamal Adams got, I think he kind of went a little crazy thinking of sacks last year. Because Jamal Adams had 115 tackles in 2018. He had 75 tackles last year. And I know he missed a couple games. But he wasn't the same player when it came to total tackles. So a lot of that was Greg Williams. And a lot of that was the defensive line kind of playing maybe a above the level people expected. Even even a guy like Nathan Shepard towards the end of the year played pretty good, Mike. So when it comes yeah. to this D-line this year, the biggest addition is Zaniga, and we'll see what happens with him. He's a rookie. I, we haven't heard you know that much out of camp on him, so he might be someone that takes a while to come around. But the Jets defensive line, I think, is very underrated, especially a guy like Fatu Kasi, a guy like Phillips that played even better than Leonard Williams, and you know he was an undrafted guy out of Tennessee. So the Jets defensive line, very similar kind of to the cornerback group, Mike, where... I can't believe you forgot... Canadian Thanos. No, I just said Nathan Shepard. Oh, you did. Oh, you did. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I, I completely, I completely no. missed it. <laughs> no, I would never. Just, just at, just at the risk of being eliminated with the snap of a finger, I would never forget Thanos at all. Under any circumstances, Canadian, Canadian or not. Uh, but we have a lot of guys that like, like, and the defense is kind of made up of these type of guys where maybe not everybody knows who these dudes are, but they play pretty good as a unit. Last year, number two against the run. I'm expecting them to be pretty good this year too. And Mike. And one other thing to consider when it comes to this defensive line is the trade option or the signing option, free agency-wise, of a Jadavion Clowney. Now, I know this might seem like an out, you know, it might seem like a long shot, but our boy Ngake from the Jaguars there, I don't know. I mean, 
clowning. He's out there still. He's a free agent. So you do never know before this season starts. We're getting pretty close to uh, the time where these guys are going to have to make a decision. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they do add one of those two players before the season starts. Yeah, they could. I mean, I don't think that they're going to do Gakwe because Gakwe, you would essentially have to give up draft compensation to just rent a player for a year because you, they don't have rights over him. Uh, he well, it would have to be... The only situation that would work in is if before they signed him, they worked out some type of long-term contract. That would right. make sense. Right, right, exactly. That would be the only way to do it. So, I don't know. I would love Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> I really would, but I, I definitely don't want them to give up the capital that we have now just to get him for a year. But we'll see what happens with that. And then you got and then you got Jadavion Clowney. So, I think uh, Joe Douglas is going to call you know play it close and and we'll see what he does but the d-line is definitely one of the best units in the nfl um and i don't say that as a fan i say that as as an analyst um it is and i think that it's going to be a tremendous unit for us and then backing them up is linebacker in core and we've lost cj mosley our best player yeah um sad uh, but I understand why he's doing it. Uh, he needs to protect his family and um, and and good for him. You know that 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 I definitely understand that. I would not attack anybody for for making a decision like that. But um, we have heard in his stead, Blake Cashman has been having a tremendous camp, and uh, we're looking forward to getting back um, Neville Hewitt and and. Um, Burgess Jr. Yep, yep, yep. And so we're, you know, I think the bet linebacking core is solid. Obviously, we could help get help on the edge, but we do have Jordan Jenkins, and Jordan Jenkins, I think, is dialed in to have a tremendous season. Yeah, and you know, guys, next year when C.J. Mosley plays his contracted technical third season as a New York Jet, he'll be playing his second game as a New York Jet. Just, just chew on that one for a moment. Uh, now, Avery Williamson. As we know, Mike Avery Williamson in 2018 was a great. He was a great middle linebacker. He played. He played great. Borderline Pro Bowl level. He played. Neville Hewitt and him, I think, will probably be the starters. I don't know if Cashman's gonna get the starting spot. I think. I think Hewitt will get it over Cashman because I think Hewitt's just been so good the last two years. And even even last year, the end of the year, he was actual force out there on the field. But Cashman, Williamson, Hewitt has to make you feel good. Luvu and Jenkins coming off the edge, both are decent. James Burgess is back again this year, so they do have some depth at linebacker. C.J. Mosley not playing is just like a. It's like you know, of all the dudes, there's so many players on the team that had to be the guy to just. Ah, I'm not gonna. I, I understand the reasons, Mike, but at some point, some of these Jet players got to start putting the team ahead of their family. You know what I mean? I want the Jets number one family too. That's how you win Super Bowls, Mike. That's what the Patriots do. That's what these winning franchises do. They don't care about their families. They don't even see their children. And that's and what that's, we gotta and get. That's what, and that's what happens when you do. You you get an Andrew Luck who uh, who leaves right when he has an offensive line ready to go to the Super Bowl. He quits on the team. Like I can't do it. I'm having kids. I can't 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 mess around. I got the family. But hey. Look, family's first, man. It is. I, I'm not gonna yeah. knock anybody for that. I'm not. Thought I, I, I thought I heard Mrs. Farrell in the background. Yeah, she started yelling in the background. She said, <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? And I was like, Look, woman, just sit down. She's Korean, so I call it K rage because once she gets angry, it's hard to calm these wild ass Koreans down. Yeah, we're gonna wrap it up, babe. <laughs> no, but K, K rage is real. Anyone out there that's listening right now that has an Asian girl or a wife, they know what I'm talking about. All right, Mike, the very last position group we're gonna get to real quick, and we're gonna sign out here is special teams where we have 
the Michael Jordan slash Babe Ruth slash Wayne Gretzky slash Usain Bolt of punting Braden, man. Mike, he's been killing it in camp. And I'm going to put this out there right now. He's making the Pro Bowl. He's making the Pro Bowl as a punter this year. He's the greatest punter of all time. He hasn't played a game in the NFL, but they, I heard they're already getting the shrine and the area ready for him in Canton, Mike. The greatest punter in the history of football. Great <laughs> man. I'm excited about that. But let's get to our kicker position. This is this is a sad this is a sad situation, guys. This is a sad, sad situation. When we have Ficken and Meyer battling each other. I think they missed the two most field goals last year in the whole league. How do we have the two worst kickers in the league battling each other <laughs> to be our kicker? What are you talking about? I don't know. There, like, there's not... You don't have some dude laying around out there from the Arena League? From a semi-pro league? From anywhere? Like, I don't understand, Mike, because Meyer missed 10 kicks last year. Our boy Ficken, I think, missed 9 or 10. They're both horrific. Uh, I'm not excited about that. I really do wish they had someone back there, just because we play in the Northeast, just somebody you had some type of confidence in. Yeah. I, I heard, I read online the battle's neck and neck, and I don't think that's a pun because Sam Ficken has the longest neck in the world. I think it is kind of a tight battle. Oh, it's just. I know. You know and I, and we don't want to. Right end. now, I'll call Martin Gramatica to come back out. You know, kick some. Exactly. Janikowski wants to come back for a bottle of. Bring Janikowski in 400 pounds right now off a bar stool. And he'll he'll rock a few. I'll, I'll sign him. <laughs> Over one of these clowns in a second. Nick, I'll never forget Grammatica with that kick. When he kicked it, he started jumping around. <laughs> Yo, I'll never forget that. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. He was he went from instant joy to like this terror because he went down like a pile of bricks. Yeah, that was the best. That was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. But, guys, very happy to be back. Talk Jets with you once again. We'll monitor camp during this week. We'll be back to talk with you guys next week. We need some joy. We need football back in our life. Very happy it is back. I'm very happy to be back talking with my boys. Mike, if anyone does want to listen to us, get at us, and support us in any way, shape, or form, where could they do that? Well, we're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, and the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk. My name is Keith Farrell. We'll get out to you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. I want a number leaver.